श्रीला गुरुदेव की जय श्रीमन महाप्रभु की जय श्री गिरिराज महाराज की जय श्री श्री जगन्नाथ बलादेव सुभाद्री की जय घोर भक्तवृंद की जय घोर प्रेमानंदी सो वेलकम टू ऑल ऑफ यू गुड इवनिंग and we are continuing today with our series of lectures mm-hmm. and by the wish of the vaishnavas we were invited to speak about mahaprabhu's uh, experience in jagannath puri mm-hmm. or oh, jagannath puri is the, the experience that mahaprabhu had in jagannath puri or the experience that jagannath puri had with mahaprabhu mm-hmm. take it as, as you like <laughs> So yesterday we began more officially with this type of nar- narrative describing how Mahaprabhu arrived to Jagannath Puri and on the way to Jagannath Puri he different things happened as you remember I will make a detailed description but briefly we recall he visited Ramuna and the famous pastime of Sita Chaur Gopinath with Madhavendra Puri and the context of that is other story with Madhavendra Puri and Gopal in Vrindavan Mm-hmm. then this the other story of another gopal sakshi gopal mm-hmm. then mahaprabhu's three ekadanda becoming tridanda <laughs> by the by the mercy of nityananda basically <laughs> and finally the famous uh, arrival and conversion of sarvabhoma bhattacharya which took like the main was the main section basically and all this happening in, in the very first week mm-hmm. of mahaprabhu Jagannath Puri. So this was the arrival of Sri Chaitanya Dev there. So today we will be continuing speaking in this case about Mahaprabhu, Mahaprabhu's travels to South India. Tomorrow we will speak about Mahaprabhu's return to Jagannath Puri from South India. So today we will be traveling from Jagannath Puri to South India. What happened on the way to South India and in South India itself. But of course And that's why we are going south. No? We, we, we always go to go up hmm, in life, but to go up sometimes we need to go down also. And there's one nice book. It has nothing to do with Mahaprabhu in South India. <laughs> but the idea can be connected to us as Sadakas by Richard Rohr, a book called Falling Upward. Oh, yeah. no? That's a nice one. No? So if you go to go, you can go down, and going down, that doesn't necessarily mean to go down per se. Hmm? So generally those who want to go up generally have to fall upward, if you will. Mm-hmm. So be- before making what we may call a quantum leap to the higher peaks of Braja Lila, Braja Bhava, Radha Bhava and so on, first let's go south for a minute. Mm-hmm. And let's accompany Mahaprabhu in his journey to, to the different parts of South India. Mm-hmm. So after, as we mentioned yesterday, after converting Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya, which was a, in, in itself a huge feat, because Sarvabhoma was the, the guru of the king, and basically that implied the whole city was converted in the first days of Mahaprabhu staying in Jagannath Puri. So after this, after a few days of arriving in Puri, Mahaprabhu expressed his desire of traveling south. And you know India is a long, a big country, long country. So... He expressed this in the context of this is the Dharma of a sannyasi. The Dharma of the sannyasi is to travel 
to, to, to preach, not to stay too much in one single place. Externally, he presented these like reasons, no? more related to his, to the external purpose of his descent. Remember, we have to bear in mind these two parallel situations. There is an external purpose for Mahaprabhu's descent, an internal purpose. So all the things he's doing are simultaneously connected with these two things. No? So externally, he's establishing the Yuga Dharma, and for that he took sannyas, and therefore he has to follow the Dharma of a sannyasi, so he said, I will travel. But internally, he's pursuing the experience of Sri Radha. So his travel to, his journey to South India will have a lot to do with that. I won't tell you it all yet, because we have not reached Godavari, that particular place. But we will see that the main reason for his journey to South India is not so much traveling and preaching, but being preached by someone else, as we see, <laughs> in, the, in the form of Sri Ramananda Roy. And so each one of these series will have one main character, if you will. Yesterday the main character was Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya. Today main character will be Roy Ramananda. Tomorrow main character will be Prataparudra Maharaj. Of course, and Mahaprabhu itself. So, Mahaprabhu had this idea, I will, I will travel south. So he called his devotees and asked their permission to travel. Because again, his mood is, I do not belong to myself, I belong to my, to my devotees. So, do you give me permission to travel? Please. <laughs> but I wish to travel alone. That's the that was a tricky thing. Maybe he said, do you wish me to give you permission to travel? And say, yes, but I wish to go alone. So the devotee say, oh. <laughs> we say yes already, <laughs> what to do. But the, again, sannyasis expected not to travel with a big crowd and with fancy assistants and all this stuff, and, but to, to, to deal, lead a relatively austere life, considerably austere life. So basically he asked to them, you should remain in Puri and I will travel by myself. But again, as we know, the psychology of the devotees is not to see Mahaprabhu as a sannyasi. Of course, Mahaprabhu's sannyasi is so important for us. So much instruction in, is there in the Madhya Lila, the Chaitanya Chaitanya, his Acharya Lila. But we do not worship Mahaprabhu as a sannyasi, it, it, in, in the sense of having him in the altar as a sannyasi. Because for us, the altar represents a portal in which we want to enter for eternity. So we are not projecting ourselves to enter into a spot where Mahaprabhu is a sannyasi. It's like entering into a spot where Krishna will be in Dwarka or Mathura. That's not our our portal. Hmm? But we want to worship. You see Mahaprabhu in the altar. There is no Danda there. No Kamandalu. Hmm? No shaven head. All the curly locks are still there. <laughs> so he's Nimai Bishwambar as he appears in Navadu. Because for us, our portal is on one side Vrindavan, on the other side Nityanabhadut. But Mahaprabhu is not a sannyasi. He accepts sannyasi for our sake here. And of course, again, there is some connection with the internal purpose of culturing Radha But the point is that the devotees do not like to think of Mahaprabhu as a sannyasi. They think him, of him as he's our, our tomboy of Navadut, our charming Nimai. And, and he says, no, I'm a sannyasi and I have to travel alone. You cannot join me. They're like, that's weird. I mean, we love you. We need to go with you. No, no, I go by myself. And this this type of 
loving tension is created there. And like by, by all this, Mahaprabhu further turns the heart of his devotees, and vice versa. So he says, no, I have to go. It's the duty of the sannyasi, travel alone. All of his devotees are, are, are not fully convinced by this reason. They feel more, it's more like an excuse. I mean, why, why are you leaving? So when he says, no, I will go, and also I will go to try to find my brother, Vishwarup. Vishwarup is Mahaprabhu's elder brother who accepted sannyas and became Sankararanya. That's the name he received, it is said, and nobody seen him any, any, anymore then after that. Mahaprabhu said, I will go and look for him. So then, only then, his associates were convinced. They say, okay, he has to look for his brother. He loves his brother. We are family here. So therefore, in, the, in this type of psychology, they accept, okay, you can go. Although it is said that Mahaprabhu knew that actually Vishwarup had already left this world, actually. We, we will see that he never met Vishwarup. He never looked for him even, <laughs> because he had already departed. But he gave that as an excuse, if you will. If, if I do not say that, they won't allow me to do that. And, <laughs> and there's some purposes to be attaining my journey to South India, as, as we will see. So the devotees, when Mahaprabhu is saying all this, they are still like filled with I mean, they already are just like recovering, if you will, for the traumatic chapter of <laughs> Mahaprabhu's acceptance sannyas. And after a few weeks of that, I mean, maybe less than a month, he now is saying, I will travel to South India by myself. And he's not saying, I will return like in one month, two months. It's sannyasi, mendicant, itinerant. I will go. Let's see. We, maybe we see each other again. With, you know, for the devotees, like, what? So all of them are in silence. And Nityananda Prabhu is the one who, who takes, the, takes the word, you say in English? No. Starts to speak, basically. No? And saying, well, but if you're traveling, you have to carry your danda. Oh, oh sorry, there's no, land, no longer danda, he said. <laughs> but you have to carry your, your kamandalu, which is like the water pot that sometimes the sannyas carry for whatever. Water for cooking, water for the bathroom, water for bathing. You have to carry your coping, one muda, one, one piece of cloth. Mm? And you are always absorbed in chanting and falling in ecstasy and swanning and this and that. So you won't be able to, to carry all this stuff by yourself. I mean, you, you will zoom and your commander will fly who knows where. And your, your, so at least, at least one person has to go with you, one assistant, someone who will take of those, of that paraphernalia, those items, basically. No? So... In that way, is that Nityananda suggests take one. I know one Brahmin, very nice Brahmin called Krishna Das, so he can travel with you. We accept. Okay, we won't go with you. You won't go with the crowd, but at least take this one Brahmin. He will assist you very humbly and take all your stuff. So Mahaprabhu finally, okay, now one, <laughs> no more than that. No? We will see how Mahaprabhu, when Krishna wants to be a renunciant. There's nobody like him. So he wants to show the opulence of Vairagya. And not for the sake of Vairagya, but Vairagya actually for us is... Vairagya means detachment in Sanskrit. But the word Vairagya, the etymology is Vairagya. Ragya means Raga or attachment. And Vairagya means special type of. So Vairagya is translated as detachment, but means a special type of attachment. And only as a byproduct of that comes detachment. So Mahaprabhu shows extreme detachment, which speaks indirectly about his extreme <laughs> attachment in a world, basically. Hmm? 
So after this, Mahaprabhu goes to his recent uh, new devotee, if you will, <laughs> new bhakta, Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya, if you will, great personality, just converted a few days back. And Mahaprabhu considers Sarvabhoma, although Sarvabhoma is converted as a disciple, if you will, a follower of Mahaprabhu, Mahaprabhu still treats Sarvabhoma as a senior, because he was senior to him in age, and so on. So he's asking Sarvabhoma, please give me permission to go. He's going one by one to all his different associates. Please give me your blessings, permission to go. Like also recognizing, I'm sold to you. I mean, I belong to you. I don't have independence, strictly. But I'm a sannyasi. What to do? Kind of doing this. I have to do this stuff. I belong to you. I'm a puppet in the, in the hands of my devotees. But you know I'm a sannyasi. You don't want to spoil my sannyasasana, right? <laughs> there is some purpose to all that. Please, do you allow me to travel? So Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya, again, he was just converted by Mahaprabhu a few days back, and Mahaprabhu said, now I'm leaving without certain time, date of return. Sarvabhoma begins to cry. Some days before, he was a very staunch and dry logician, a monist, and now he was crying like a baby on the floor, imploring to Mahaprabhu, please, please do not leave, do not leave us. At least stay some more days. He's trying like to stretch a little bit. He's staying in Puri. Some more days, some more days, some more days. To the point that Mahaprabhu agrees. Okay, some more days. <laughs> so we see how this loving state exchanges between Bhagavan and his devotees. So, but Sarvabhama is so attached. I, I cannot bear the idea of stopping seeing you for a moment. So at least give me some more days to, to prepare myself and have your association. Mahaprabhu agrees to remain five more days in Jagannathpuri. Not a month, but five more days, something. And especially he remained in the house of Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya. Sarvabhoma was cooking for him, and massaging him, and rendering uh, Bapu, Seva, personal service to him you know, in different ways. Uh, and eventually, after these five days, Mahaprabhu goes to Jagannath before depart departing, you say, before leaving Puri, and also asking his permission from the Garuda Stamba. Remember, he doesn't get closer to that, who knows the consequences. <laughs> And when he's praying to Jagannath, somehow or other, Jagannath's garland fell. Yeah. Mm. So that's taken generally as blessing from Sri Jagannath. Confirmation. Tatastu. Let it be so. You can go. Mm. So this is one. And this is the point. Yesterday we gave that trailer where Sarvabhoma says to Mahaprabhu, you are going to South India, please meet with Ramananda Roy. Remember yesterday we mentioned that? It was like the third level of conversion of Sarvabhoma. His bhakti was beyond karma, beyond jnana, and endowed with the sensibility of, of rasa. So Sarvabhoma say at this point to Mahaprabhu, if you go to South India, there is someone called Ramananda Roy, please meet him. Please meet him. I, I didn't understand him before, but now that I have been received your grace, I can understand he's a great personality, and you and him have a lot in common. So please go there. And as we will see... <laughs> That's the main purpose for Mahaprabhu going to South India. The main, main, main purpose, which has to do a lot with his inner purpose for descending here. So, well, Mahaprabhu then, after this, leaves Jagannath Puri and, and Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya uh, collapses, faints, basically. And all the devotees accompany Mahaprabhu as much as they can. <laughs> No, like it happened, I don't know, in the daily of, in the daily Lila of Krishna when he's in, 
living for the forest with the friends and something and, and just so and all the elders like join him and when he's about to leave just so that brings him back and say stops up one minute she starts to recite also all these men different mantras and kavachas for protection for Krishna invoking Krishna protecting his side he's going to the forest and saying to his friend you Sri Dham protect him on this side you Madhumangal protect you Subal protect you put in this direction north, east, west all of you have to protect Krishna every moment please take care do not like a mother no, basically <laughs> no, extreme she's the very extreme personification of motherhood and they are joining Krishna and Krishna lives okay I'm going and then just sort of takes him back again. No. And this is over and over again for a good amount of time. Krishna says at one point, Ma, I have to, I have to go to the forest. I, mean, I, I will never go then. No. So what to do? So at one point, they go and all of them become collapsing, staring at the horizon and looking for the Goduli. Then in the afternoon, with the, the time of the cow dust, when the cows are returning with the pastures and Krishna is returning, oh, their life is coming back to them. So something similar here, Mahaprabhu is living in Puri and all his associates are like walking as much as possible, accompanying him with kirtan and tears, hmm? till Alalanat, which is a nearby section in Puri, it's not that close to the Jagannath temple, it's not that they walk like two, two blocks, they walk a while, accompanying Mahaprabhu. Hmm? And Mahaprabhu joined them in kirtan, like their last kirtan in this chapter in Jagannath Puri, all the cities started to join and it was like huge, huge, powerful kirtan then. And then Mahaprabhu starts his journey with Krishna Das. So it is described, it's a very detailed description, especially in Chaitanya Charitamrita, all the places he visited, every temple and which person he... I won't enter into all those details and names because it's hundreds and hundreds of verses. We'll mention some of the main points there. But basically to say that Mahaprabhu, on, on his way, he was basically on his way to South India from Puri, walking... It's a long journey. Yesterday we were speaking about from Vrindavan to Jagannath Puri, Madhavendra Puri's uh, journey is a long one, but from Puri to South India, that's even longer. Yeah. Try to imagine. <laughs> so, as a sannyasi, the Dharma was, he was traveling by, by foot. So, on its way, he was converting everyone, basically. That's the standard of Mahaprabhu, golden volcano of divine love, as Sulasir Maharaj will say, with his lava erupting in ecstasy and consuming everything on its way. So he was embracing people, crying, and just by the embrace, investing on them, his Shakti, and everyone became like mad. And, mm. and Mahaprabhu said, now you chant Hari and, 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 and share that with others. So every person, all of these persons re, re, returned to their respective villages and places totally transformed and transforming other ones and so on and so forth. Mm. Mm. So in this way to say that Mahaprabhu was going and visiting some temples, spending nine in one temple and continuing. He, he never stayed for more than, than a day, than a night in one single place. He continued. He continued. As we will see, his main goal was to meet Roy Ramananda. But we will see some other things that happened before and after that as well. So be, first of all, it is described how Mahaprabhu arrives at one place called Kurmachetra. In Kurmachetra, first he finds uh, one Brahmin called Vasudev, which is uh, which was infected with how do you say in English leprosy, leprosy. Mm-hmm. So it is said that he was it's a very interesting personality. He had different like open wounds in his body with leprosy. You you can imagine just to have leprosy is not something precisely 
comfort it's not your comfort zone basically <laughs> so he was full of leprosy and wounds and there there were different like how do you say in english worms worms yeah like worms in the in the in, the, in his wounds that were feeding hmm, on on the leprosy basically on whatever is what's going on there <laughs> and and some of the of the worms sometimes fell to the ground and Basudev took compassion of them and put them back on each part that was his standard of universal compassion. <laughs> that, I mean, it may sound scary for us, but it's, I mean, that's the glory of universal, not even that single, but that worm is feeding on yourself. <laughs> Why am to deny him the, the right of surviving? Whatever. So that's the standard. So... Mahaprabhu, he heard about Mahaprabhu, so he was to see Mahaprabhu to the house of another Brahmin in the area called Kurma, in Kurma, etc. So they say that Mahaprabhu had already left, because remember, he was just one day in each place. So when Vasudeva arrived, wanted to see Mahaprabhu, so uh, Mahaprabhu had left. But Mahaprabhu le- he heard somehow, received the news, Vasudeva went to see you, so he returned. Which was, we'll see, is not so typical of Mahaprabhu. He was like, this is my dharma, I will go here, not more than one day, but somehow he break, broke his vow. <laughs> again, one of the many times for his devotee. So, again, when Vasudev here, Mahaprabhu left, he totally dismantled, if you will. He fell to the floor. So Mahaprabhu heard about what happened with Vasudev. Not only he was already suffering by leprosy, that was totally secondary for him. I mean, he was suffering from separation from Mahaprabhu. So Mahaprabhu returned, saw Vasudev falling on the ground, picked him up and embraced him. <laughs> I need to say that by Mahaprabhu's embrace, all the leprosy disappeared. So here we have one miracle. Mm-hmm. One of, I mean, everything is miracle, but sometimes people will say that was a miracle. <laughs> but we will see that for us, Godias, those type of miracles are not precisely the proof of Mahaprabhu's divinity, if you will, because basically that, that can be also a city or mystic power, but those were there, here and there, incidentally, in, in Mahaprabhu's life. Mm-hmm. So eventually, we are getting closer and closer to the main section here, which is the meeting of Mahaprabhu Rai Ramananda. So after visiting Kurmakshetra, Mahaprabhu continues and he arrives nearby, uh, next to the, how do you say, the shores of the river, Godavari. Godavari. Godavari is one of the main rivers in India. Every single day when you make this famous Ganga water, <laughs> this is also Godavari water actually. Because you, Ganga is the first river, but we pronounce seven. Ganga Godavari Saraswati Narmadi Sindhu Kabiri. Jalis means Kuru. So this is Godavari, one of these sac- sacred rivers. And forest around, and Mahaprabhu immediately, as it's usual with him, he sees this, the Godavari, but his mind goes to the Jamuna. And he sees the both forest, and his mind goes to Vrindavan. Like it's typical, and especially in Puri, he will exhibit this time. Everything is Udipana, everything is uh, stimulant for his inner world. <clears throat> So what's Godavari? What's the meaning of Godavari, especially for us in this particular meeting of Mahaprabhu with Roy Ramananda? So Godavari uh, can be translated as go 
the body. Chilasiyad Maharaj makes this nice description. So go the body. Go can mean water also. Interestingly, da means giver or to give. And body comes from bottom, bottom like topmost, like the great river of giver of water, if you will, like a river, basically. <laughs> but also go. What does it mean? Many things, many things. No? What else? The Vedas. Go refers also to the Vedas. So go means Vedas. Da means. In Spanish, we say the same word, da. No? In English, it's to give. No? So, to give and bara, against, we retain this, the other meaning. Bara means the topmost, the highest. So, Godavar is that place with the highest conception of the Veda is being given. And that has to do with Mahaprabhu's meeting with Rana Ramananda. Where the highest reach of all the Vedic revelation finds its expression there, in this conversation that we will see that Mahaprabhu has with Vedroya Mananda, Gaudiya Vedanta, we call that. That's the climax of Vedanta. I mean, the, the climax of Veda is Vedanta, and the apex of Vedanta is, according to us, at least, Gaudiya Vedanta. So that will be revealed, as we will see in the conversation between Ramananda and Mahaprabhu. So Mahaprabhu arrives to Godavari again, really deeply, deeply affected by by its surroundings, takes bath there, and Roy Ramananda comes. He's been taken in a palanquin because he was an, uh, he was working for the government, even though he was born as a, as a sudra by caste. He was working the government as a relatively high post. He was a, how do you say in English? Viceroy? Viceroy, whatever, Viceroy. So he was accompanied, taken in a palanquin, which already indicates respectable person, with his retinue of people, like musicians and attendants. So he seems something else of what he was, basically. No? <laughs> Different, difficult to, to grasp what's going on with the Vaishnava, basically, internally. <laughs> but Mahaprabhu saw him and immediately recognized him. Although that was the first time they were meeting each other in the Leela, in, in this particular Leela. They are eternal sources, as we will see. So it is said that Mahaprabhu, in his mind, went running and embraced him. But externally, he, for a moment, contained himself, trying to re re behave as a sannyasi as much as he could, if you will, <laughs> and try to consider the, the rest of the retinue, which was there with Ramananda, which was not aware of who Ramananda really was, and who Mahaprabhu really was. So, so Ramananda is the one who approaches Mahaprabhu. So Mahaprabhu remains in the river, on the banks of the river waiting. Ramananda approaches Mahaprabhu and falls to the ground in Dandavat. And basically, he asks, Mahaprabhu asks Ramananda, Are you the one I think you are? No? <laughs> are you the one Sarvabhoma recommended me to meet with? Ramananda, like, I'm your fallen servant, and, and with full humility, falling at his feet. Born in the Sudra community. I'm nobody. And then we find the famous also statement, Kiba Bipra Gibanyasi Sudragini Nai, say Krishna Tattavita, say Guru Hai, Yei Krishna Tattavita, say Guru Now, whether one is Sudra, Bipra, Brahman, Sanyasi, Mahabharata says, it doesn't matter, doesn't, I don't care. But if that person knows Krishna Tattva, which doesn't mean only theory, but it's really 
drenched into that reality. He's guru. He's guru. And he's anticipating basically, you are to become my guru. You are we are the very personification of this verse. <laughs> you seem as you, you seem like a sudra, grihasta, a political person which generally has to do with materialism. <laughs> so it seems that you are something, but you will be my as we will see, my Raga Marga Guru. Not not only any type of guru, but my Raga Marga Guru, as we'll say. So they say that then Mahaprabhu embraces Ramananda Rai. And at that point, they cannot contain themselves. And the two of them start to really cry profusely and ecstatically. And all the servants of Rai Ramananda are totally like bewildered. Like, what's going on here? I mean, they never saw Ramananda in such state. They always saw him like political figure, you know, behaving like following certain bureaucracy. But he had his inner life. So now Ramananda was crying and falling to the ground with another person who was doing exactly the same. <laughs> so, so they're like wondering, like, what's happening? They were, of course, manifesting topmost symptoms of, of divine love. So again, this so-called sudra and so-called viceroy and all the these upadis you may like to attach to him was actually Vishaka Gopi, appearing in another lila, basically. Ramananda Vishaka Gopi, one of the two main friends of Shirada. Describing the Chaitanya Charitamrita as an aprakrita sahaja. The word sahaja generally is not very much appreciated. <laughs> we spoke the other day about that. Someone who wants things cheap. But sahaja means someone for whom, who expresses in a sahaja way. Sahaja means natural, easy, natural. So it's not a bad word, actually. The point is, that's why Prabhupada Tisanta qualified that with prakrita sahaja. But there's also aprakrita sahaja. The gopis are called like this in Chaitanya Charitamrita. They have natural, spontaneous, inborn love for Bhagavan. In that sense, they are sahajas. So it's not necessarily a bad word, just in case. But to further qualify that, we will say aprakrita sahaja. Aprakrita means seems mundane, it's super mundane. And in them, they are made of love of God. They are ragadmikas, as we mentioned. They are the whole atmika, the whole self, it's made of rag. Hmm? So even though, again, it seems something else. Ramananda Roy is famous by, for training in Puri, the Devadasis, the, lay, the, the girls who were dancing for, to Jag, for Jagannath. And at some point, he will like touch the bodies of the girls. And someone may think, oh, he's a perv. Perv, you say in English? Yeah. Perverted personality, like abuser. Hmm. But he said that he was totally immersed in the mood of, of a gopi himself. And seeing the girls as gopis dancing for Jagannath, who is Krishna. So he was entering into the bhava and showing the different alankars and movements and gestures for the pleasure of Jagannath. So externalism, like very close to, to Pundarik Vidyanid in some things, no? like this personality that seems something, but they are really something else. So this so called sutra, so called all the things, was actually the topmost gopi, Vishaka Exactly. And this so-called sannyasi <laughs> was actually who? No? Sri Krishna in, in pursuit of Sri Radhavad. So again, externally it seems something. One sudra meeting a sannyasi and this assistants of Roy Ramananda were thinking like this. Why? I mean, he's a sudra. He's a Brahman. How a Brahman is embracing a sudra? This shouldn't be happening according to social, religious norms. And he's grihasta and he's sannyasi. Why are they sharing so intimately? So from this perspective, this 
was not fitting because they were not saying no it's actually someone else is meeting with someone else here basically <laughs> hmm? so we will see no? Mahaprabhu is Krishna in the mood of Radha and he will be inquiring from one of Sri Radha's dearest and closest about how to himself pursue the bhava of, of Visakha's best friend, if you will, Sri Radha. How to culture, how to, in a systematic way, attain the very purpose of his descent into this world. So basically, that begins here and that will be taken all the way till back to Puri in the Gambira. I won't go there just now, but here is a very important beginning point of this more official. And before that, there was right above in the life of Mahaprabhu for sure. But from here on, it starts to be cultivated in a more systematic way by the instruction of grace of Ramananda Roy. And as we will see eventually, Roy Ramananda will join Mahaprabhu back in Puri in the Gambira. And he will be one of the two main assistants of him, his last 12 years. We will speak about that in these days. Hmm? So then Mahaprabhu, when they recover each other, hmm? <laughs> after some time, he said, well, Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya recommended to meet you. Hmm? And actually I came here only to meet you, basically. All this South India Parikram is, I mean, you are my highlight in this Parikram, basically. So I came to meet you. Hmm? And, 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 and in this way he starts to glorify Ramananda. Ramananda starts to glorify Mahaprabhu. And the two of them start to glorify Sarvabhoma, <laughs> no? like a proper humble Vaishnava exchange. It's not the, oh, you are so great, and the other will say, thank you so much, you are so great. No, it's not like this. Like, no, oh, no, you are so great. No, you are so great. And you are so And this loving no? struggle will start there. But Sarvabhoma is so great. Yes, yeah, Sarvabhoma. <laughs> hmm? So this is the moment then when the conversation begins between the two, where Mahaprabhu will ask Sar, uh, Ramananda, please speak to me about Sadhya Sadhana Tattva. Hmm? Sadhya Sadhana Tattva, which means the truth about the goal of life and how to attain it. Hmm? The goal of life means Sadhya and how to attain it, Sadhana. Hmm? So it's important. These two things need to be in place. What's the goal of life? and how to attain it. In other words, as, as my Guru Maharaj will say, where do we want to go and where we are? And what, what do we have to do from where we are to reach where we want to go? Like typical GPS dynamics. <laughs> no? <laughs> We're having today some struggle with GPS. <laughs> so you have to put two things there. I want to go here and I'm here. And then you have to go in this way and in this way. And if you go in the wrong way, Recalculating, <laughs> recalculating. So GPS, we have that. GPS makes also Guru Parampara system. GPS. So they will help us to establish sadhya, where you want to go, and sadhana, what to do to reach there. So Mahaprabhu will ask Raya Ramananda, please speak to me about that. Which is the goal of life, the ultimate goal of life, the ultimate goal of life, and how the practice wish to attain that, but sustain everything you say by invoking Shastra Prama. So he makes important point there. Do not just speak whatever you feel, whatever, whatever you think is the best. But su support, support your points by quoting Revelation, by quoting the sacred hmm, scriptures. So with this is making the point that we were speaking recently. If you have are about to speak about this spiritual topic, it's not just about 
what I think, what I imagine. I think this is the best, and for me, I feel like, the, I mean, we need revelation. We cannot even start to speak about Krishna if it's not for revelation. Mm-hmm. I mean, by the grace of Shabda, descending knowledge and revelation is that we can know there is something called Krishna or someone called Krishna. It's not that ourself made up the idea, oh, one day, oh, I start to think and, and I came to the conclusion of Braja Krishna by myself. It, that is not possible. <laughs> we need revelation. <laughs> to conceive that such a thing exists, what to speak, how much we need revelation to reach to that place, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's an important point that we should also bear in mind. Whenever we have a discussion on Statva and Siddhanta, Rasa, Bhav, and so on, Shastra is to be the reference point. So we need to know Shastra to have a proper... If not, the conversation will be emotional only. I feel this, and I feel this, and, and we are not really having a decent adult Vaishnav exchange, basically. Hmm? So this conversation is beginning here, again. And this, in this point, the two purposes of Mahaprabhu's journey will connect with each other. Because again, Mahaprabhu is traveling as a sannyasi. He's doing his parikram. But someone is laughing to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw, I saw. Almost has some accident. What to do? That's, that's life. Not only you had a difficult day, Gurbaki, no problem. You're not alone. <laughs> So the two points are connected here. Mahaprabhu's journey, like a Yuga Dharma, Sannyasi preaching, and how to properly, systematically culture his inner mood. So inner purpose, external purpose, connected in one spot here in Ramananda Sambhat. So this is the name of the conversation. Ramananda Sambhat. So Sambhat means conversation. Conversation means like what they're having there. Basically. <laughs> so there are different types of talks. No? Sometimes in scripture also this is talked. You have uh, Bada, Jalpa, Vitanda. No. Hmm? Bada. So Bada, Bada, somebody similar. Bada means like like <laughs> cultured conversation, basically. Mm-hmm. Like two people are getting together to really speak about truth and trying to really find truth, not just only to debate with one another and 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 and, and, and defeat one another. These are the lower types of conversation. Yeah. You have bitanda, for example. Bitanda is tamasic conversation, which means no conversation whatsoever. Which means I get, we get together, and I don't even ar- allow you to speak. Mm-hmm. I will just jump on your neck and shout and try to impose my, my prejudice. And that happens sometimes in the name of so-called conversation, especially in social media and on this stuff. It's made for that, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's bitanda. Mm-hmm. Jalpa is rajasic conversation, which means... Uh, I allow you to speak, but I'm just waiting for you to stop for my turn to say the real thing. Basically. But externally, okay, you speak, but you won't, you won't defeat me. I will defeat you. So it still is this idea, who wins? Not truth, but who? It's a competition. But Bada has nothing to do with competitive spirit. It's let truth be the winner. Let us be defeated by truth. So if you are the winner or I am the winner, doesn't care. The truth has to be the winner from whatever part it comes. So that's Bada or Sambad, which also has to do with typical dialogue between guru-disciple as well. Like Krishna having with Arjuna in the Gita, like Sukadev having with Parikshit in the Bhagavad, and this type of setting is always present in our tradition. And this is one more case. When interestingly, Mahaprabhu is taking the role of the student, 
and Ramananda Roy takes the role of the instructor, if you will. Yeah, we will explain that now. That's connected to the Bhagavad Gita, interestingly. No? So, but this Ramananda Sambhad, to begin with, is connected to the essence of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. <clears throat> My Guru Maharaj will say that in the same way that the Bhagavad Gita is the essence of the Mahabharata, the whole Mahabharata is presenting all this romance, pol- politics, intrigue, but all these are like, how do you say, like baits, hooks, to, to tempt you, continue reading, 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 and when you realize you're in the midst of the Bhagavad Gita, <laughs> and Krishna is putting you above the gunas. Because the whole Mahab- Mahabharata mostly is about gunas. And dharma, lots of dharma, but still that's guna. But the Gita is... So without the, the Gita, the point is, Mahabharata makes no sense. Doesn't fulfill its ultimate purpose. So similarly, the parallel can be done here. Without Ramananda Sambhad, Chaitanya Charitamrita is, is not complete because this has to do with the main purpose of Mahaprabhu's descent. So, and in this case, since we are making this comparison with the Gita, we can also give this this analogy. Sometimes, interestingly, Ramananda Roy is compared with. Not only with Bisaka Gupi, but with Arjuna. In a particular sense, I'm very, very much connected with this, with the Ramananda Roy, with the Ramananda Sambha. Because again, Arjuna spoke, uh, heard Gita from Krishna, and now it is said in the Gaur Lila, Krishna's Mahaprabhu is testing, let's see how much Arjuna learned the, the Gita from me. So now I will give him, make him give the lesson. It's like when you have a, a, a pupil, a student, and say, okay, you, you give the class today, and the teacher sits to, <laughs> to see how much he learned. Actually. You have to do the oral, oral test. You mean? No. <laughs> so, and we will see, he, he understood pretty well. <laughs> and in Sri Ramananda Sambhad, we can see the ultimate reach of the Bhagavad Gita, one way. It's not overtly present there, but it's really present there. So, let's briefly describe this conversation. I will do it briefly. What to do? I mean, this is so long. I mean, it's not that long, but it's so much to unpack in each one of these stages of the conversation. This could take like a whole retreat for one month, speaking twice a day for three hours, and we will just stay in the Ramananda Sambad. Forever, as we said the other day, no? one God sister of my, mine told me, I'm reading Ramananda Sambhad, but I kind of, I got stuck there. I kind of like, I, I was not able to read too much more. I said, great. No, I mean, what better than to get stuck in Ramananda Sambhad? I mean, want, we want to get stuck there for eternity. Hmm? But let's make some brief, brief recap. I really recommend you can go in detail on this, on this section. Very nice. So, to begin with, the Mahaprabhu asked Ramananda, what's the goal of life? Remember. And what's the practice to attain that and so on. So, Ramananda starts by quoting one verse from the Vishnu Purana, which states that to follow Barna Ashram Dharma is the goal of life. You find these verses in the scriptures, so you need to understand Shastra in context, because you find this verse, this is the goal, the goal of life. So, he's trying to emphasize something to for some personalities. So, Barnashram, which means perform your duties in the world, basically, be a be a, be a, a balanced human being, basically, a civilized person, be balanced here in this world, and you can project eventually to transcend this. 
Of course, Mahaprabhu hears this, and he says, this is not too interesting, sincerely. Ehubahya, <laughs> he says. Ehubahya. This is external. This is superficial. So please, agikahar, like augment this truth. Go deeper. This is superficial, go deeper. We'll see the Mahaprabhu will say the same thing many times. <laughs> it's not that Ramananda doesn't know which is the ultimate goal of life, but he's presenting this in a gradual way to show that to reach the ultimate goal of life, for some people there may be some intermediate stages. You know, some short-term goal, middle-term goal, long-term goal. It's not that in one day you could receive all, everything from one shot, if you will. So it's interesting because although Mahaprabhu rejects Barna Ashram immediately, for some reason Ramananda begins with that. Like making a point, even though this is not the ultimate goal of life, this has to be in place to reach the ultimate goal of life eventually. And again, what does it mean, Barna Ashram? You have to be a balanced human being and not to, in the name of transcendence, become totally dysfunctional. Hmm? That, that has been seen in, in history. <laughs> we have been speaking about that recent, these days also. Sometimes in the name of transcendent, being transcendental, we become evasive, actually. And we conceive transcendence as rejecting everything, and we think I have to become a totally detached, super devotional, superhero, or who knows which idea you have in your mind. <laughs> but after some time you realize, oh my God, I need to, to nourish something, to be, a, in the words of my Guru Maharaj, to create some horizontal development so I can have some vertical development. I have to have some foundation as a person in the world, as a human, and certain needs have to be properly fulfilled on, on a... On a sober level, not, not as an excuse and going to excess, excess, but some level, basically. You follow my point. No? So Barnashram has to do with that. Beyond, It's not only like an established system in India, they say the caste system and that's all, but it has to do in, in essence, in the gist, is to be a functional, civilized, sober human being and on that foundation of sattva, basically, transcend sattva and project yourself to transcendence. So Mahabharata said that's external because he's asking the ultimate goal of life. So he said, no, that's not the ultimate goal of life. But Ramananda quotes that idea because that may be a necessary step almost for everyone to eventually reach the ultimate goal. <laughs> so there's place for that. That's my point. But in the service of the other things. So then the dialogue continues. So Ramananda continues with, okay, you perform your Barnashram duty without being attached to the result. Also, this may be considered like Nishkam Karma Yoga. Krishna speaks about that in the Gita. Then Ramananda continues saying, Krishna Karmarpana. Offer your activities to Krishna. The result of your fruit. Not only be detached from the result, but offer the results to Krishna. That's an added feature there. One thing is, I behave according to Barna Ashram in society and I'm not attached to the fruits. That's, we have to begin somewhere. <laughs> then it's, I offer the fruits of my actions to Krishna. And he quotes a verse. Remember, he's quoting Shastra every time he makes a point. I went over to you with too many quotes. He says, famous verse of the Gita 9.27. Yat karosi, yat asnasi, yat yuvosi, yat asiyat. So this verse seems like really high, and I'm not saying it's low for sure, <laughs> but Krishna is saying whatever you do, whatever you offer, whatever austerities you perform, whatever, whatever, <laughs> offer that to me. So it sounds like, wow, 
And it is wow for most, not for Mahaprabhu. Mahaprabhu <laughs> <laughs> uh, will, will say again, Eho Bhaya, that's superficial, go deeper. Because why? Because the idea here is Kar- Krishna Karmapana means you do something in the context of Bhana Ashram and you offer the result to Krishna. In other words, you remember Krishna when you, you are doing that offering, <laughs> if you will. But the idea of Mahaprabhu is you offer yourself to Krishna and then do something. Not do something and offer, and offer it to Krishna. You are the offering. Try to surrender from day one and do whatever you like. If you are surrender, you can do whatever you like. Because whatever you like, likes Krishna. Krishna, likes Krishna. No, Krishna will like that. If you are surrender. Again, this is not an excuse to, I do whatever I like. I mean, if you are surrender, you won't do whatever you like. You will do whatever Krishna likes. I know Kuliyasa Sankalpa, but this idea of Mahaprabhu, superficial, go deeper. The previous verse in the Gita is deeper. Patram Pushpam Palam Tuyam That verse is previous, but it's deeper. Because in that verse, Krishna says, whatever you offer, fruit, water, leaf, bhakti, he says. Do it with bhakti. Two times in the, in the verse, it says, bhakti, bhakti. And bhakti-bhakti means you are the offering. So if you are the offering, you can offer me one leaf, some water, fruit. I don't care, basically, Krishna says. If you are the offering, that's what I care of. The, offer, the external offering, I mean, if you are there in the fire, so aha, give me a leaf. And we see these great simple offerings of Sanatan Goswami, unsalted bread, <laughs> Advaita Acharya worshipping in Boki Mahaprabhu with some Ganga water and some Tulsi leaves. Raghunath Das Goswami worshipping Giriraj the same way. Some Tulsi leaves, some water from his eyes in tears. That was the standard. <laughs> but Bhakti Bhakti. <laughs> so, continue as Mahaprabhu. So then, Ramananda will quote another famous word from the Gita, Sarva Dharma Parityaja Mamekan Saranam Raja. Consider the conclusion of the Gita. And again, high verse. The most well-known verse of the Gita. Abandon everything. Just surrender to me. I will protect you from all danger. Do not fear. What does Mahaprabhu say? That's superficial. We're like shocked at this point. I mean, this is the conclusion of the Gita. Mahaprabhu is saying this is superficial. Who is Mahaprabhu to say that? I mean, it's not that the verse is superficial, but Mahaprabhu is so much not superficial. <laughs> Even that verse still. But it, basically, why he said, why he rejected that? Because at this point, Ramananda is, is, is suggesting Swadharma Tyag, which means to renounce one's own Dharma in society. Like to reject Barna Ashram and become like a wandering mendicant. So just renunciation only of the Barna Ashram. Because this verse of the Gita is not speaking about that, but it is explained that what Mahaprabhu rejected and considered superficial in that verse is the popular understanding of that verse at the time. Most people thought Sarva Dharma Paritya Ja means reject all Dharma, all Barna Ashram Dharma, and accept the order of sannyas. So, Ramananda Roy quoted that verse in that context, pointing to the understanding of the time, and Mahaprabhu said, it's superficial. In that sense. Because in another sense, that verse is ultimately speaking about the Raja Gopis. They are the really ones who reject all Dharma, 
all social consideration, leave everything behind, and just mami kam sharanam braja. So he's not, of course, Mahaprabhu is not rejecting that. He's after that. <laughs> he's after Gopi Radha So he's rejecting this superficial idea, no? Just accept sannyas and become a contemplative. To be a sannyas is not the goal of life. Just in case. A sannyas is telling that to you. <laughs> because also those type of distortions come. Some devotees say, oh, I want to be sannyas. Why? Because no, they kind of say this type of nonsense. No? Oh, because I will please more my guru by being a sannyas. Who say that? I mean, where does it say? I will be more surrender. Where does it say that? Well, to speak, that's the goal of life. I mean, we are we are not worshiping Mahaprabhu. He's a sannyas. We are not worshiping him as sannyas. We won't be sannyasis. We will be grihastas in the in eternality. <laughs> well, another topic. <laughs> so then it continues. Ramananda, Mahaprabhu say, augment the truth, go deeper. Okay, so let's go to Gyan Misra Bhakti. Brahma Bhutta Prasanat Mana Suchati Nagashati Sarmasar Veshubhuti Su Mad Bhakti Mlavati Param. 54th verse of the 18th chapter of the Gita. With there it's speaking about Bhakti, but Bhakti taken with the wish of attaining Mukti. That's really the meaning of that verse. By the grace of Bhakti, someone attains Mukti. So I use Bhakti as an active principle to make the whole equation work. So I obtain mukti. I, I reject bhakti at that point and enter mukti. So Mahaprabhu, again, still has the same reply for Ramananda. That's superficial, go deeper. But again, with all the things Ramananda is showing, for many this is the goal of life. For many, this is the goal of life. For many, this is the goal of life. So Mahaprabhu said, no, not for me. <laughs> not for my followers. And so on. So finally, we'll come to the point where Mahaprabhu will stop saying that superficial, which is in the next section, where he, Ramananda, will present not the notion of Gyan Misra Bhakti, but the notion of Gyan Sunya Bhakti. Misra means mixed with, and Sunya means devoid of. No? Sunya means like empty. Also, like zero, sunyabad. So, gyan sunya bhakti means bhakti free from gyan, or bhakti free from the fruit of gyan, which is mukti. No? Devotion performed without the desire of obtaining liberation. But bhakti for bhakti's own sake. We have been speaking about this day. Bhaktiya sanjata ya bhaktiya, says the Bhagavatam. Bhakti comes from bhakti, and bhakti goes to bhakti. We are not performing bhakti for something apart than bhakti. And that shows bhakti is the goal of life. Because there's nothing else that bhakti will take you to. If there is something else, that something else will be higher than bhakti. But since there is nothing higher than bhakti, bhakti just can only only <laughs> take you to bhakti. Not like when someone asks Sila Prabhupada, what's the result of chanting Hare Krishna? He said that you will be able to chant more Hare Krishna. <laughs> like saying, what's the result of bhakti? That you will be able to engage in bhakti in a more comprehensive way. Ad infinitum. <laughs> so, Ramananda quotes this idea, Gyan Sunya Bhakti, and he quotes a very, very, very famous, nice verse of the Bhagavatam, Gyan Prayastada Pasyanamanta Iva, Jivanti Sammukaritam Bhavadi Yadartam Stanestita Srutigatam Matanubam Manorbi, Ye Prayasa Jitaito Piesitra Istilokyam. This is from the Brahma Stuti, the prayers of Brahma. And basically, again, each verse is a whole retreat. <laughs> 
So here Brahma is, after being bewildered, after the Brahma Bimokhan Lila, he's saying, Gyan Prayasan Udapasya, totally rejecting the unnecessary burden of Gyan. Uh, he has four heads, remember. So he has a big <laughs> burden of Gyan. Four heads thinking in four directions, north, south, east, west. The topmost scientist of the whole universe is Brahma. So he says, I've realized that all these four heads are a burden to me. So I will, re I will get further knowledge, not by trying to make my heads think and think, but Namantaiva. Namantaiva, Namaskar. By putting my four heads to the ground, I mean, he's not able to put the four at the same time. It is described. <laughs> <laughs> That's described by the commentator when he was revering Krishna. Some heads were gone, but some others were looking. <laughs> but he was taking turns, and all of them were... So he said, by, by putting my head to the ground, I'm receiving much more knowledge than by trying to make my four brains only think about who you are. So Gyan is not the all-in-all, it's not the superior, the highest means, and Mukti is not the ultimate goal. So then Mahaprabhu received this notion, okay, Bhakti for Bhakti's sake, that's like the foundation of pure Bhakti, Sutta Bhakti, not Bhakti for Gyan, for Karma, mix. so Bhakti, Mahaprabhu doesn't say here it's superficial, I say, oh, that's nice, but please continue. <laughs> of course, he doesn't stop there. I mean, now, now it's really beginning the conversation. Now Mahaprabhu says, okay, now we are somewhere. No, please continue. <laughs> so next, Ramananda Roy will go to describe Prem Bhakti. Prem. Again, as we said the other the goal of life in a generic way at least. So Prem Bhakti. And he quotes another famous verse, in this case from Padyavali, written by Rupa Goswami and shared in Chaitanya Charitamrita, Krishna Bhakti Rasa Bhavitamati Kriyatam Yadikuto Pilabhite Tatra Laulam Apikala Molyam Janmakoti Sukritarna Lavite. This is a very famous shloka which speaks how, about the price for threading the path of rag is Laulam or Loba, divine greed. No matter how pi many pious activities you, 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 you perform in many millions of lifetimes, that is, won't help in, in the context of this. To drench your consciousness in Krishna Bhakti Rasa. To say that Srila Prabhupada named his society after this verse, after this first line, Krishna Bhakti Rasa Bhavitamati. Because we sometimes may say Krishna consciousness, and that may become like a slogan, or like a like short verse. You are uh, his Krishna conscious. I practice Krishna, but what's the real ultimate meaning of that? <laughs> Here, a verse describing Prema Bhakti in Raga in the Raga Mark. So it's not just I know Krishna, I follow the four regulative principles and chant my sixteen rounds. I'm Krishna conscious. Yes, on some level. But there are so many degrees. So but when Prabhupada named his society Krishna consciousness, this was the idea in mind. Of course Krishna consciousness also means Krishna Chaitanya. So there we have an example of Krishna consciousness. Hmm? So Mahaprabhu accepted this great prem, the goal of life, but still, as we spoke, he says, to say my, the goal of life is prem, still, what? Abstract, like generic, especially for someone like Mahaprabhu. He's looking for something very specific. So he says, continue. By the way, I may extend today a little bit, with your permission. So I hope you have like enough stamina to accompany. <laughs> So Mahaprabhu say, okay, continue in the line of Raga Bhakti. You are, we are getting somewhere. So please continue, continue. So then Ramananda starts to describe all different varieties of Prem. Dasya, Sakya. 
he doesn't touch Santa <laughs> because we know it's not so much of an active service disposition. That's another whole discussion altogether. But Dasya, Sakya, I'm quoting verses. I'm just summarizing a little bit here. But Salya, Mahaprabhu asking, please continue, please continue. <laughs> and eventually he reaches Madhurya Prem. Remember, Mahaprabhu wants to get somewhere. He's concerned about his own inner culture at the same time. He's establishing this for us, but for himself as well. So, Ramananda reaches the point of Madhurya Prem as the height of divine love. So, Mahaprabhu says, please continue. <laughs> Which at this point is like, I mean, continue? There is more than that? I mean, we may think like this. Ramananda was ready <laughs> to continue. Hmm? So he continues and starts to develop how in, in the context of Madhurya Prem, the idea of Radha Prem is the highest. Again, I'm summarizing. There are many verses there and one. One can continue studying. So after saying, okay, Radha Prem is the topmost possible goal of life, Mahaprabhu says, can you continue, please? So it, Ramananda said, until this point, nobody ever had asked me to continue. Nobody ever thought that there was something. Nobody ever in the story of history of religious thought have ever thought that there's more than that. So Ramananda said, okay, I will continue. <laughs> and he starts to describe in detail the glories of, of Shirata Prem and how her Prem is so powerful to the point that Krishna himself becomes a servant of that. Krishna himself falls to defeat of Sri Radha. We, we heard in the scripture that Sri Krishna is with different gopis. No? He goes with Trandravali here and he goes with this other gopi here and this camp and that camp. But we never hear that Krishna falls to defeat of any gopi other than Sri Radha. There's no description in Shastra of Krishna falling to defeat of someone else. Of course, he will fall to defeat of Radha's manjaris and sakis begging, please allow me to go with <laughs> But that's an extended form of falling unto the feet of Sri Radha. And, and this is the famous line of Jayadev Goswami's Gita Govinda, Dehi Pada Palavamu Dharam. This famous line that, that Krishna is saying to Sri Radha, I, I, pu I put my head on your feet with the hope of receiving your grace, the dust of your feet. And when Jayadev was about to write that, he thought, oh no, this is too much. Nobody wrote such a thing ever. So he didn't write the thing and he went for a walk, as you know the story. And, and Jayadev's wife was at home cooking. <laughs> and, 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 and sometime later, Jayadev returns from his walk and he sees her wife eating. I say, why are you having lunch and didn't wait for me? And she said, what are you speaking about? You already ate like an hour ago. Now I'm eating. I say, no, no, I went for a walk. I'm just back. <laughs> He said, no, no, I don't know what's going on in your mind. Maybe you are writing too much, but you already ate. He said, no, no. Yes, no. So, like, what's going on? So, Jadev looks at the distance and sees his palm leaves where he was writing, and he put them in a certain way, and now in a different way. So, he goes close by, and he sees that this line that he thought to write, and he didn't write because he felt it's too much, was written there. So he realized, oh, Krishna himself, in the form of me, of Jayadev, came and wrote the line himself. Similarly to the story we shared the other day, Krishna scratched and wrote, Bahami, again. 
So confirming, yes, I put my head at the feet of Shirad. I'm a slave to her love, and so on. So, <clears throat> Ravanandari continues, he shares some tattoo in between all these Baba notions and, and feeling himself, as you say, like a puppet in the hands of Mahaprabhu, because Mahaprabhu was the, the student, but actually he was the one that made Ramananda instrumental to share all these truths, actually. That was how it was working. So, he continues to speak how Shirada and Krishna enjoy mutual loving exchanges, and Mahaprabhu insists, he says, please, is there something else? Now, he didn't say, continue to say, is there anything else you may like to share? And, and, and <laughs> Ramananda say, well, yes, there is something else, but I don't know if you will be happy with this or not. I, I'm not sure. We will understand why now. And it's called Prema Bilas Vibarta. Prem Bilas Vibarta, which has to do with the exchange of love between Radha and Krishna when their identities switch. Uh, like Sri Krishna becomes so much identified with Sri Radha that he feels himself her. And she becomes so much engrossed in Sri Krishna that she feels herself he, him, basically. So that's called Prem Bilas Vibarta. Vibarta means like like bewilderment in the context of Prem Bilas, of the the play of love. Hmm? So they merged in in each other to such a point that they switched roles, interestingly. Hmm? So the point is that they forget their own identities and and totally identify with the other one identity, but still there are two. Hmm? And and, and, and their intention in love, as my Guru Mahesh will put it, is that you and I become we attain some form of unity, some form of merging, not Brahma Sayuja, but merging in love. So, and of course, one may ask in this connection an important question. If Radha and Krishna have this type of switching of role, what's the purpose of Mahaprabhu then? Why Krishna and Mahaprabhu wants to taste Radha Bhav? If sometimes at Prem Bilas Vibharta, he, he becomes identified with Radha and vice versa. So one can ask, why? Because it is said that in this Prem Bilas Vibharta, yeah, Krishna is identifying with Radha and, and tasting something of her emotions. But as Mahaprabhu, he's systematically tasting all the possible, all the different possibilities of what being Radha implies, which is much com- much more comprehensive than just what happens in this Prem Bilas Vibharta, which is already a big thing. But we will see above Prem Bilas Vibharta, it is <laughs> Mahaprabhu's Vibharta, <laughs> Mahaprabhu's divine bewilderment. Hmm? So at this point, Ramananda said to Mahaprabhu, for this idea, I'm not able to provide any Shastra Praman, he says. <laughs> like implying, this is above Shastra. <laughs> so he recites a poetry he himself composed, which for us, of course, is Shastra. <laughs> no? And then he describes all this how this interaction between the two happened. And when Ramananda is quoting this poetry, Mahaprabhu shuts his mouth. <laughs> Sorry, I'm using you for a thing. <laughs> so, Mahaprabhu is like, till now Mahaprabhu is telling, tell more, tell more, tell more, tell more, shut up. <laughs> you are talking too much, this is too much. Mahaprabhu is like, like embarrassed. Hmm? Because again, when when again Radha and Krishna become exchange these roles again there still are two and they want to become one and they want to become one and the solution to that becoming one is basically in the figure of Mahaprabhu 
So in ultimately what Ramananda Roy is doing is mentioning how Mahaprabhu Mahaprabhu represents this high topmost hike of divine love. So that's what Mahaprabhu is saying. <laughs> Chanavatar. I'm Chanavatar. <laughs> and these things are not to be spoken like cheaply, publicly and so on. So Interesting, no? So that's almost like the official end of the conversation, which 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 deep deep silence. There's one quote from well, Gopal Shampoo that defines this silence and say that's a state of the highest communication where nothing needs to be said. Basically, that's a moment where everything is being said there. <laughs> so the point is Ramananda is making this point. Mahaprabhu is the ultimate goal of life. He's chanting the, the glories of Gaur Lila and Gaur Mahaprabhu ki So they say that after this sequence, as a way of further confirmation of what just Ramananda said, Ramananda Roy has the darshan of Mahaprabhu as Radha and Krishna on him in one form. Mahaprabhu Sri Chaitanya Radha Krishna Anya. Now he says Mahaprabhu, he says Radha and Krishna. He is Mahaprabhu and he is Radha and Krishna. He's the very first person in the Gaur Lila to see this, to, to have this like revelation. He said, Oh, like confirming Mahaprabhu, I shut your mouth, but you were pretty accurate, <laughs> basically. No? So I'm Krishna in the mood of Radha, as they say in English with the new black. Golden is the new black, we will say. No? <laughs> Gore is the new Sham, something like this. No? <laughs> So again, Mahaprabhu asked, what's the ultimate goal of life? Ramananda Roy, he went to say, you are the ultimate goal of life. <laughs> and that Mahaprabhu said, oh please, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> you, are, you are flattering too much. <laughs> so, so eventually, as we know, this is almost the, the official end of the conversation. There are some brief Q&A that they have at the end also with different short questions and answers, very nice exchange. But Ramananda Roy nourished so much Mahaprabhu in this moment that eventually, as we will see, Ramananda Roy will join Mahaprabhu back in Puri and remain one of, as his main tutor. Tutor, you say? Like secretary there, assisting him in the Gambira along with Swarup Damodar. We will explain that later because Gadadhar Pandit cannot be there and Gadadhar Pandit is Radha and Gorlila and there's a whole thing to speak about that. But we will speak about that also. Friday? Friday? Friday, which is Gadadhar Pandit's Tirubhap Mahotsa. Mm -hmm. So we will share some words there as well. But I have something more to share. Do you have some minutes with your permission? Because still this, the, the journey in South India is not, not finished. Mm -hmm. So Mahaprabhu, after this crucial meeting with Ramananda Roy, he continues his journey in South India. Mm -hmm. And again, the script Chaitanya Charitamrita Chaitanya Bhagavad described how he was converting everyone there and a very detailed description, every place he went, every temple he visited. He visited many temples of Shiva, Mahadev as well. Many debates he engaged in and defeating everyone and so on. And finally he reaches Sri Rangam, which is like the capital of the Sri Sampradaya. And South India is predominated by Sri Sampradaya, Ramana, Ramanuja Sampradaya, the worship of Lakshmi Narayan. You will almost not find no Radha Krishna temple in South India, it's almost... Lakshmi Narayan, Aishvarya, Baikunthabhav. So it is described there how he visits at one point this, the priest of the Ram, Ram, Sri Rangan temple 
Ben Kata Bata, who happened to be the father of another Bata, Gopal Bata, who eventually became Gopal Bata Goswami, one of the famous six Goswamis, who at that time was a mere child, receiving Mahaprabhu in his house for four months, because Ben Kata Bata invited Mahaprabhu, please stay with us for Chaturmasya, the rainy season in India. There are four months, and typically the sannyasis, traveling sannyasis in those four months, stay in one single place, in one and, and, and do not move. So he stayed there, and there is some brief description, well-known one, of how, <laughs> the same way my, my, my Guru Maharaj will say, as Mahaprabhu converted Sarvabhoma by being in silence, he kind of converted uh, Venkata Bhatta by joking with him. <laughs> Although it's not f- described in detail that Venkata was fully converted, so it can be argued that point, but he was in one level for sure converted. So how he converted, how, how it was the joke, you may know. Mahaprabhu was there with Ben Katabata, and one day he asked him in a very like playful way. Like, ben Kata, can I ask you something? Yes, for sure. Why? I mean, you worship Lakshmi Narayan. Yeah, I'm the head priest of the temple. <laughs> That's okay. So why, if, if Narayan is the Supreme Lord and Bhagavan and the topmost truth, and Lakshmi is his consort, why is the Lakshmi wanted to join Krishna, the Rasa Lila? That's in Shastra. Mahaprabhu was not making this up, but that was stated in Shastra from time ago, in the Bhagavatam and so on. No? At one point, Lakshmi Devi wanted to leave Narayan. I mean, she's known as the, the topmost chaste lady who will never abandon her husband, Narayan. But at this point, we heard that she wanted to join Krishna with many other gopis in the Rasa Lila. <laughs> So, so Mahaprabhu was, why? I mean, she's so chaste, she wanted to go with someone else. And of course, Venkatabhata said, no, 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 it's not like that. Because Lakshmi, uh, Narayan and Krishna are one. In Tattva. In Tattva. In ontological, position, metaphysical truth, they're one, the same person. In Bhava, they're different. They have different emotional disposition. By Kuntabhava, Brajabhava. But in Tattva, it's the same person. So the point is, Lakshmi is not being unchaste. She's joining the same Narayan in his Vilas form as Krishna. Narayan, one of his avatars, that's the conception of the Sri Vaishnavas. Narayan is God, Krishna is one avatar of Krishna. Very charming. The most most charming avatar. (laughs) Okay, so Mahaprabhu say, thank you for your reply. (laughs) But there's a second question. So what's the second question? Why Lakshmi was not able to join Krishna? Because if she, if he's not I, and um, why she was not able? It's say in the scripture she wanted to join Rasalila, she didn't succeed. <clears throat> so why? So Ben Katabata at this point was like, like Brahma in the Brahma Bimohan Lila. We have the Ben Bimohan Lila here. So Ben Katabata said, I mean, only you can ask such a question. You say. So only you can answer that question. I, mean, I, I would have never even ever, ever thought of the question. So what to speak of the answer to the question? I mean, <laughs> I'm just trying to I'm trying to digest the question in itself. So please, you reply. <laughs> and we know why, why is that? That Lakshmi couldn't join because she wanted to join the Rasa Lila by performing tapasya. She she's the topmost royal lady on earth, on earth. Sorry, beyond earth even. Wearing almost always like royal clothes and jewelry and everything she eats is cooked in ghee. 
as she went to Belban, one of the twelve forests in Brach, seated there under one tree, and just eating some fruits, nuts, and roots from the forest, wearing like a like a destroyed sari, white sari, like this. I mean, Lakshmi. So it is said that one day Krishna was walking by. <laughs> if you say, if you want, and she's and he's so Lakshmi. That's how my guru Maharaj very nicely describes it. I said, Lakshmi, what are you doing here? I like to say I want to join Rasa Lila. I'm attracted to participate there. I like to say, and Krishna said, but this is not the way to to enter Rasa Lila. I mean, there's a process to enter Rasa Lila, which is Raganuga Bhakti. If you want to enter Brindavan, specifically Rasa Lila. There's a way to enter there. So, like you say, okay, Raga Bhakti, so what do I have to do? What, what do I have to do to enter Rasalila? Well, Krishna didn't say Raga Bhakti, he said it in a more bold way. <laughs> he said, well, basically, of course, because Raga Bhakti means to follow in the footsteps of the Brajabhas, in this case of the gopis who are in Parakya. So, the implication of this will be Krishna says to Lakshmi, well, to enter Rasalila, first of all, you have to give up your husband, Narayan. <laughs> Then you have to go to Vrindavan to marry one Gopa there. And then you have to leave him as well <laughs> and join me. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> so for at least for Lakshmi, this is too much. Uh, she, she couldn't even think of leaving Narayan. What to speak of? A second husband, leaving that second husband <laughs> and entering Rasalila as a lover of Krishna. So that's why till today Lakshmi remains in that situation without being able to enter Rasalila because there is a process to go there. So this is briefly narrated in this section when Mahaprabhu is visiting Venkatabhata in these four months of Chaturmasya. So then on his way he did say that he meets Paramananda Puri who is one famous sannyasi who eventually joins Mahaprabhu in Jagannath Puri also. And then he, in his journey on South India he visits another one Brahman called Ram Das Bipra, who was a great devotee of Sri Ramachandra. And this, and this Brahman invited Mahaprabhu for lunch at home. No? So Mahaprabhu goes, he, he appreciated every type of bhakti, as we will see here. It's not that he was converting everyone to Gaudiya, Vedanta, and you're a Ram Bhakta, get out of here. <laughs> Go to the Rasalila or something. <laughs> so he was there, and, and the Brahman was supposed to be cooking, so Mahaprabhu was waiting and waiting. And waiting for hours, and at one point he goes to the kitchen to see if the Brahmin needs some help, maybe. And the Brahmin is thrown on the floor crying. So Mahabharata say, "What happened? Uh, will 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 we have prasad later, <laughs> or something? And, and, and you have not prepared anything yet." The Brahmin say, "How can we think of eating? Sita has been kidnapped by Ravan. She has been taken from." from the hands of, his, of, her, of her beloved Sri Ram. We have to think a way of bringing her back to Sri Ramachandra. You are, are you telling me to eat? <laughs> so he was fully immersed into the Leela, in the vow of being a servant of, of, of Sri Ram. So Mahaprabhu was like, wow, like charmed by that. I mean, he himself forgot to eat at that point. He, like, <laughs> he really has Ram Bhakti. He didn't try to convert him. He, well, and, and Mahaprabhu tried to to support him, like, do not suffer. But he was crying and crying. So eventually they said that Mahaprabhu tried to uh, how console. Do you say? console him as much as he could. But he continued his journey. He had to. 
but eventually a few days later he went in one temple and he met some pages he pages of the Kurma Purana and this famous statement that says actually Ravan never kidnapped Sita he only kidnapped Maya Sita or is illusory Sita because Ravan cannot touch Swarup Shakti basically <laughs> so Mahaprabhu took those pages and went back to this Brahman and, sh- and showed them like trying to further console him and saying do not suffer please do not be afflicted uh, trying to serve his Ram Bhakti basically he was not trying to make him leave his Ram Bhakti but trying to nourish that so we see how when he saw that someone has real bhava Mahaprabhu was in all for nourishing that so we are not to be fanatics and trying to take everyone to our lineage to our guru to our our something <laughs> but if there is something genuine there that has to be nourished, basically. So, okay. <laughs> Bear with me, ten minutes. So, after this, this is narrated how, remember, Mahabharata was not alone. He had one servant, Krishna Das. So, Krishna Das at one point became distracted in the journey by one called Bhattadharis. Like, yeah, like gypsies or something, with all respect with, to the gypsy community, but it seemed that they were not <laughs> behaving properly, at least in that part. So the point is that Krishna Das became distracted by them and so on, and, the, and Mahaprabhu lost sight of him, and, and he was supposed to be with him and accompany him. So when he realized that he was like kidnapped almost by them, if you will, and, and he became, he himself l- let himself be like enchanted, I think, by some ladies, and they kind of... Whoop, he was there. So Mahaprabhu <laughs> went there to rescue his servant and they attacked him and, Mah- and, and, and well, a whole description that Mahaprabhu is able to rescue Krishna Das. And as we will see, Mahaprabhu will be very strict with him with, after this because he's a sannyasi. Again, externally he has to show some decorum. What Krishna Das did, it was not that grave, do you say? That, that heavy. But Mahaprabhu was very heavy because as a sannyasi he wanted to share some standard that will help for him to give the, his message and this Krishna does also give this example to say that if you yourself are not determined not to fall in Maya even Mahaprabhu himself cannot avoid that <laughs> no, because Krishna that was Mahaprabhu's personal servant but at one point he didn't have the determination of not falling under Maya's influence so he fell of course Mahaprabhu rescued him, but he was distracted for a minute. So the point is, there is something to do on, on our part as well. So Mahaprabhu will become, we won't share that now, because that happens when he arrived to Puri. When he arrives with Krishna Das and he says, take him out of my sight, basically. <laughs> but we'll see how, even though he was so strict with Krishna Das, he will extend his grace beyond the limits of the sannyasashram he accepted through the person of Nityananda Prabhu his other self, the extended self of Mahaprabhu, who will give the grace that Mahaprabhu can express as a sannyasi, if you will, because of some social constraints, you say? Okay. So then of his journey, Mahaprabhu found the fifth chapter of Brahma Samhita, also in the South India journey. So he made a copy of the Brahma Samhita, fifth chapter, and took with him. This is a very important book of Tattva for the Gaudiya Vaishnavas. He showed many static symptoms were written in it. And then he arrived to Udupi. Today we found someone who was born there. That's the embassy of Madhvacharya and the Tattva Bodies. And it is described how Mahaprabhu 
saw one deity there and started to go mad and then dancing and singing and after that he met the like the chariot of the mad bats at that time and they have some some bat similar to the one he had with Ramananda but in the different direction in this case <laughs> so he asked the chariot what's the goal of life and they have some debate and it is described that Mahaprabhu triumphed <laughs> triumphed on that then on his way he also meets Rangapuri, who was a disciple of Madhavendra Puri, so he was like an uncle, spiritual uncle for Mahaprabhu, and he, they were together, this described like a week in ecstasy. Oh, that's an interesting meeting, no? just with someone, I wasn't, we were in ecstasy for a whole week, I'm sure the whole week, embracing and crying together and sharing. And then Mahaprabhu finds a second book, there are two books that Mahaprabhu brings back to Puri from his journey to South India. Uh, Brahman Samhita and Krishna Tarnamrita <laughs> the work of Bilba Mangala Thakur which while Brahman Samhita is more connected with Tattva Krishna Tarnamrita is more connected with Baba and in, that, in this book it's a very nice book and there Bilba Mangala will describe the Baba of, of, of I mean it's focusing Krishna but from the perspective of someone who has Madhurya Baba like a gopi so it is ideal for Mahaprabhu's own purpose, who is Krishna, but who wants to enter into the mood of Radha, feeling what she feels for Krishna. So Krishna Karnamrita is a very, very interesting book in that connection. So he makes a copy of that book as well. And he brings this to Brahma Samhita and Krishna Karnamrita, Tatvam Baba Grantas back to Jagannath Puri. And then when he's returning, now we are with Mahaprabhu returning to Jagannath Puri. He went south, South India, and now he's coming back to Jagannath Puri. There was some brief words before. And he meets again Ramananda Roy. He goes again to Godavari. Ramananda Roy is there. So Ramananda were immediately there. They met together. They started to talk about very, very different topics. And Mahaprabhu started to share all that happened in his journey and showing these two books he was carrying with him. And basically, Mahaprabhu was telling to Ramananda Roy, all that you told me, all that you taught me, all, all this is confirmed in these two books, basically. Like, you really, he never quote those books, but whatever you told me is sustained by these two books. And, and Ramananda Roy said, oh, so he makes a copy of these two books also, for himself. So in this way, they, stand, they spend together, Ramananda Roy and Mahaprabhu, like a whole week. And it is said, at this point, Mahaprabhu is saying to, to Ramananda, I've written, uh, no, sorry, Ramananda says to Mahaprabhu, I've written a letter to the king. Remember, Ramananda was working uh, for the government. So, I've written a letter to the king, so, uh, and I have to ask permission to go to Puri, to finish my political duties here in South India, and to go to Puri to join you, like 24-7, as they say in English, no, full-time. <laughs> So he says, I'm going approximately in 10 days. In 10 days, I'm arriving to Puri. Mm -hmm. So Mahaprabhu is in ecstasy. Like, I'm, going, I'm going as quick as possible to Puri so I can meet you there. Mm -hmm. So Mahaprabhu continues his journey back to Puri here. And it is said that all the ones that have seen Mahaprabhu going down to south, now he, they were seeing him going back again. So everyone was filled with joy at this point. And when he reaches Alalanat, with Alalanat is like the the previous, yeah, not Jagannath Puri per se, but the previous place before reaching Puri, he's almost there, basically. He was with Krishna Das, still. <laughs> and he asked Krishna Das, you go, how do you say, above, in front of me, ahead, ahead of me, 
and tell all the devotees that I have come. Tell Nityananda and some others. So he goes, and Nityananda and some others came to greet Mahaprabhu in ecstasy and all start to dance, cry, faint. That's a daily episode in Gaur Leelas. My Guru Mahas will say, if you think Gaur Leela is boring, <laughs> I think only Krishna Leela seems interesting, but Gaur Leela, I mean, you pay close attention to what's happening here every single moment. <laughs> so then Sarvabhoma Vatacharya also comes again, just crying at the feet of Mahaprabhu and, and, and and Mahaprabhu takes him from the floor and embraces him. And then after all of them go to Jagannath, have darshan of Jagannath. For all the devotees, the main darshan was Mahaprabhu, then Jagannath. First Mahaprabhu, then Jagannath. So they honored Jagannath Prasad, took darshan of Sri Jagannath. Then Kasimisra came. Remember, Kasimisra was converted by Mahaprabhu in Navadvip. We have to go back. And he gave his place to stay in Jagannath Puri, his headquarters. And then uh, Sarvabhoma Vatacharya invited Mahaprabhu to have lunch at his house. Mm-hmm. He already had them five days before leaving and now he wants to have him again. Very ideal of, of Grihatha also he's showing here. And, uh, and that night Mahaprabhu stayed at Sarvabhoma's house and narrated to his devotees. You can imagine all that happened along his journey. <laughs> months and months. Remember, it was a long... It took, what, like a year or... How much was the journey to South India? Like two years. Two years, yeah, two years. So again, it was not just Chaturmasya. Chaturmasya was just in Sri Rangam, four months. But the whole journey by feet, by, by walk, was two years. And he told to Sarvabhoma, making full circle with our narration and concluding here, I met so many Vaishnavs, so many personalities, I experienced so many things, but the topmost personality I met in my whole journey was Brahmananda Roy. And you advised me to meet him before leaving. So, mm-hmm. thank you. So, and Mahaprabhu takes again Sarvabhoma as a Siksha Guru in this connection, because you suggested to me such an association. And, uh, and basically, he says, "Yeah, I mean, I met so many Vaishnavas, but with Ramananda Roy, I found the real thing, if you will, there." No? So, so here is what we have: the end of the. I mean, Mahaprabhu is already back to Puri here. So the, the journey to South India has ended. And tomorrow we will continue uh, narrating what happened in his return. Now it's just the first day of his return, but some other things happened in the context of this. And gradually we are building up to the celebration of Ratha Yatra on Sunday and Gundicha Marjan on Saturday before Gadadar Pandit, Tirobab, which happens in Puri also. So we will try to connect all the things these next days, but for now I'll stop here. So there are some questions. <laughs> okay. We take some few questions because it's already late, so I don't want to go too much. But we can have one question and if uh, there are more tomorrow in the morning we continue. The the river that they met at was it the same river that they had this long conversation? Was it were they holding the conversation there? That's just the yes or no. Yeah, but the point is, the river where they met, who met with whom? Mahaprabhu. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's the same place. Yes. On the banks of the river Godavari. Thank you. Yeah, the Thank two of them you. made then, and the two of them have the conversation yes. on, on the banks of and that river. Was Ramananda, was he aware that he was Arjuna? Well, actually, as I mentioned, Ramananda is actually defined as Pisaka, 
but he's more connected. This is a long topic. Then Sevanidi will, will share the details. <laughs> Actually, I don't want to overwhelm you, but Brahmananda is described sometimes as with three other different identities as well. Some, some called him Lalita, some called him Bisaka, Arjuna, Arjuna Saka in Vrindavan, Arjuniya Gopi. Um, so we can stop there. <laughs> of course, these are not Tatastu Jivas, they are Swarup Shakti Jivas, to call it somehow, Swarup Shakti Nitya Parishad. So there are other possibilities in them. Now, we as Tatastu Shakti can have two identities. So you can imagine what to speak about Gorlila, Krishna Lila, I mean. What to speak about some, some soul made of Swarup Shakti. So I will connect mostly his identity as Arjuna in connection to the dynamics they had in in this Ramananda Sambad. How that sometimes, for example, Haridas Thakur is compared with uh, with Pralat. But we know that Haridas Thakur is Brahma. We spoke about that yesterday. Yeah, yeah. So he's Brahma. He's not Pralat. But why he's com- he's described as Pralat? Try to think about. Because he, he, he went through certain, uh, how do you say in English? Uh, yeah. Trials. Yeah, trials, whatever. As Pralat went, when he was put to test and tried to be killed by his father so many times. And Haridas was beaten in 20-something markets. And he was totally, like, non-affected, if you will. Like Pralat, no fear. So in that sense, he's described as Prahlad. It doesn't mean that in every sense he's Prahlad. So sometimes some of our churches assigned, assigned identities to some personalities, not because they are the personalities, but certain sections of their life resemble mm-hmm. sections of other personalities. So I will say in this connection, we can say that idea in connection with Ramananda and Arjun, in connection with this Ramananda Sambad. But generally, the, the, the main opinion, if you will, is his Bisaka Gopi. And, and, and that makes sense because how what's the connection between him and Swarup Damodar, Lalit and Bisaka being with Mahaprabhu all these last 12 years in his life, being the dear most of Shirad and so on. Sivanidhi will continue explaining during the next seven hours. So if there is any doubt, we'll continue tomorrow morning. So I will finish here today. Sorry if I do not attend any more questions, but it may be a little late. So, But tomorrow in the morning we have Q&A. So you are invited to present any questions you may have concerning this topic or any, any other topic. Yeah, Srila Gurudev ki jai, Sriman Mahaprabhu ki jai, Sri Harinam Sankirtan ki jai, Sri Giriraj Maharaj ki jai, Sri Sri Jagannath Baladev Subhadri ki jai, Gaur Bhakta Vrind ki jai, Gaur Primananda ki jai.